Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. That's 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to make things better. Hi there. Welcome to the program. Uh, This has become one of my favorite parts of the week, um, where we get to just take a step back, get a little perspective. Um, Often the kids are at school, unless they're too young, or unless they're home suspended, they're at school. So maybe we're getting a breather here, and you can take 45 minutes to think Um, about your challenging kid, why he's challenging, what you can do to help him be less challenging. As I wrote in a um, blurb that I wrote for a a book of a colleague that's going to be coming out sometime in the next four to six months, it's a jungle out there for parents of challenging kids. Um, It's a jungle. There's so many, so much to know. So much, so many labels, so many things to navigate with schools if your kid is challenging at school. Uh, it's a real jungle, and um, you really have to be tenacious in learning as much as you can. And even while you're being tenacious, there's so much information out there that it's hard to know which information to buy into and what to believe. And It's hard. So these are your 45 minutes. Now you don't you don't get an unbiased view here. That's for sure. You get my view, the collaborative problem solving perspective about why challenging kids are challenging. But um, well, that you know you could do worse. There's I find that collaborative problem solving is pretty humane, compassionate point of view. And the good news is it's also quite accurate as it relates to why challenging kids are challenging. We've learned a lot about kids. In the last 30 years, we know why challenging kids are challenging. They're lacking the skills not to be challenging. If they had the skills not to be challenging, they wouldn't be challenging. And those skills that they're lacking come back to haunt them and us under specific conditions called unsolved problems. If we collaboratively solve those problems, they get solved durably. The skills get taught. challenging behavior is reduced. But if we try to solve those problems unilaterally, plan A, as you've come to know it, if you've been listening to the program, well, those challenging episodes don't get reduced. Plan A causes challenging behavior. We're going to be talking about plan A some today, but also plan C. I don't want to quite get there yet. Um, These are your 45 minutes. If you're got a kid who's not responding very well to plan B yet, if you're not responding very well to plan B yet, you're running into trouble at some point along the way. 
some trouble with some aspect of doing Plan B, and you need it to have that needed us to troubleshoot that that number again. Call in three four. I don't have any calls planned for today, so uh, if there are going to be any calls, it's going to be people who um up, oh, and we do have a call already. Wow, cool. And as you know, calls take priority. I I have a plan for the day. I want to talk about two parent families, co-parents, one of whom is in Plan A and one of whom is primarily oriented toward Plan C, that classic AC combination. We may get to that later. Let me just finish up my uh, initial thing here. Um, We do have a caller already, but the call-in number is 347-994-2981, Having trouble with Plan B? Having trouble figuring out why your kid is challenging, having trouble getting the folks at school on board. Uh, Here's the one we're talking about today, having trouble getting your co-parent or the grandparents or the hockey coaches to buy in. You got yourself an AC combination in your household. You're doing A, your significant other's doing C, or you're doing C, your significant other's doing plan A. Notice what's missing there, plan B. This is your opportunity to call in, comment, ask questions, get the support you need. That's why I do this. I want to make sure you're getting high-quality information uh, from the source so that we can get you good at Plan B and get things squared away in your household. And as always, if you're a little hesitant to call in, first of all, you don't have to call in, and you don't have to email either. You can just listen. Uh so what's going on with others who are using the collaborative problem-solving approach? But if you don't want to call in but you do have a question, uh, send it to me electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. And once again, that's www.lives, with a V, in the balance.org, livesinthebalance.org. Because calls take priority, and I have no idea what our caller is going to be talking about, I just want to remind our caller, don't use any names, um, don't tell us where you live, Um, but I'm happy to see if we can help you sort something through. So, uh, caller from area code 978, you're on the air. How's it going? Fine, thanks, Dr. Green. How are you? I'm doing well today. Um, I sent you an email um, regarding my son. Did I respond? Yes, you did. Thank goodness. And you suggested that I call in today. Good. So, here I am. (laughs) Um. And he's he's a kindergartner, so he's just starting out in school, um, and he's having some difficulty. Um, he's he's been a challenging um, little boy since you know probably two or three years old, but nothing like what's happening since he started school. Got it. Um, and that I don't want to interrupt you too much, but that's not so uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kids who are sort of mildly to moderately challenging before they get to school, mm-hmm. and it can work in the reverse too, but not necessarily that often, but they hit school, and um, boy, things really get interesting. We, we can talk about why in a, in a little bit, but but tell us about that. Um, well, he's... Um 
he's having we've we've taken him and had him tested and done the neurological testing and things like that. You know, we've kind of taken a more holistic approach with him. Um we take him to OT. He's he's been diagnosed with sensory issues. We've always known that. Um the school isn't quite on board as far as the sensory issues. They don't see it. Um we do. We see it at home. We see it out in in everyday life. Well, just oh. in case, just in case people are wondering if you're making this up, and I'm being sarcastic, of course. <laughs> just in case, there's, yep. um, you know, the possibility that you may just be making it up because you thought it would be really cool to have a kid with sensory issues. Right. <laughs> um, what kind of sensory issues are you seeing at home that they're not so sure you're telling the truth about? At the, well, truth is. We're, we're going to operate on the assumption that you are telling the truth. Okay. And, and just because, I mean, I've, I've always found that to be the best course of action. I, right. You know, uh, in my experience, people don't um, come into my office and make things up about their challenging kid. They, you know, this is not sort of a, this is not thrill-seeking. This is, I'm really struggling with this. So maybe they're not seeing some of the same stuff at school because, quite frankly, maybe some of the same sensory demands are not, being placed upon him at school, kind of hard to believe, but what what are you seeing at home, just to reassure us that you're not making this up? Um, well, at home he has a little brother, um, and when they're playing and he becomes overstimulated, that's when a lot of his aggression comes out. He will he'll start clapping his hands, he'll hit something, he'll uh, hit his little brother, um, but it's to the point where he becomes overstimulated, whether it's because they're yelling and screaming or... Um, his little brother got in his face, you know, he was talking too much to him and he wanted him to stop. Um, you know, we, we could go somewhere. We could go to, um, one instance was we went to a festival. He was at the festival. He wanted something. Um, we did not want him to have it. And because of the stimuli that were around him, he had a temper tantrum. We removed him from the situation took him to my mom's house, sat him down, put him actually on a vibrating chair. Within two minutes, he calmed down. He, His face just completely went blank again. Um, and he was able to go back to the festival and um, act in a more appropriate manner, understood that he couldn't have what he was looking for, um, and everything was fine. But it was just that overstimulation that extreme sensory overload for him that he didn't understand and it um precipitated into a temper tantrum okay um, because he, I, just I can't, didn't, he didn't I, get it <laughs> i can't quite tell if that scenario and mm -hmm. it could be both of course right in that scenario it sounds like there were at least two things going on right one is what you're calling sensory overload mm-hmm and I guess I could ask you what you think, what sensory stimuli you felt were overloading him. I can certainly understand that at a carnival, we would be in a sensory-rich environment. Right. There's another piece to that story, though, and that is that your son uh, clearly decided that there was something he needed to have. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you and your husband decided that uh, you were just as clear on the fact that he shouldn't have it. Mm-hmm. So you had two ingredients there. What, but just to make sure that we're that you're we're on the same page, what types of sensory uh, stimuli do seem to be overwhelming for your son? 
Well, I think when in a situation like that um, where we know that he's overly stimulated, he's overexcited, he has a very difficult time um, <laughs> taking no for an answer. Um, and that's the type of situation where we, my husband and I, both expect him to, to if he is going to have a meltdown, have a meltdown. Um, so we kind of understood where he was coming from. We didn't want to, we weren't in the position where we were going to give in to him, but we also understood that at that point he didn't know how to control his actions. So we removed him from the the what the situation. We're able to bring him to a more calming situation for him. And once he did that, then he was able to understand why he couldn't have what he had. Okay. So this is interesting. This is getting more interesting the longer you talk because um, you and your husband responded to your son's um, desire to have something Mm -hmm. with what in collaborative problem solving it sounds like, I've got got my facts straight here, with what in collaborative problem solving is called Plan A, Mm -hmm. which is imposition of adult will. And in challenging kids, Plan A is almost guaranteed to cause what you're calling a meltdown, Mm -hmm. what I've come to call challenging behavior or a challenging episode. Um, Tell me, are you familiar with the plans? Yes, I am. Got it. Mm Want to go into detail about what it was that he wanted and why he couldn't have it? Um, What he wanted was a a cap gun and... um, at that at that time, well, it's still now. We we just don't allow him to have guns. Got it. So that was the situation. Got and, it. Okay. <laughs> and so now you're finding yourself sort of in a uh, he wants something. Right. You and your husband have concerns about him having it. Yep. Um, you impose your will, and this is this is like classic, right? Yep. Yep. And he exhibits whatever behaviors he exhibits on what I've come to call the spectrum of looking bad right. that tell us he's um, not able to respond to that word, the word no with a rational response. Yes? Right, right, exactly. But, you know, I've interrupted you a ton. I'm actually not positive that we've gotten to what you actually wanted to call about, or was that it? Well, no, my I guess my, my actual, you know, I guess I was just kind of setting the stage for what um, – you know, the type of behavior that he's having. Um, My concern is now in the school system, now that he's there, he's he's exhibiting these behaviors in the classroom, and obviously if he's hitting in the classroom because of all of the bullying that is the uh, laws that are being implemented, he's being removed from the classroom consistently, um, being told he can't be around certain children, being told... You know, he's he's talking constantly at school about it. So when he comes home and I'm trying to get to a point where he, um, in your email you had said, you know, maybe this isn't the right time to do it, you know, so I'm trying to pick a good time to speak with him to get his concerns on the table, you know, on a weekend when he's not at school and he hasn't heard it all week, all day, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to find the best time, even that is becoming difficult because he's telling me I don't want to talk about it because this is the way I talk at school. So trying to even find a time to get his concerns on the table um, 
and talk about it has become difficult. Got it. So, boy, uh, this is, um, as I said, truth is, this is always the case. The more I hear about a challenging kid, the more I need to know to be helpful. Mm-hmm. But let me ask a few other questions. Yep. Have you um, filled out that form that I use to really try to get a good handle on what's going on with a challenging kid? It's called the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved yep. Problems. Yep. Mm-hmm. Can you, I have. Do you have it in front of you by any chance? Um, I actually don't, but I I do recall going through the list and checking off a lot. A lot. <laughs> a and lot. My question is, the 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 ALSUP, as I call it, is divided into two parts. The mm-hmm. first part is the lagging skill section. Right. The second is the unsolved problem section. Right. Lagging skills help us get the right lenses on, so we have a good sense about what skills a kid is lacking. It's those lagging skills that leave a kid vulnerable to challenging behavior, especially when the environment is demanding those skills. Right. The unsolved problems are those specific conditions under which the environment is demanding skills that go beyond a kid's capacity to respond adaptively. And then, for example, when you're at a carnival, he has a meltdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now my question is, do you remember... Are, were any of the lagging skills jump out at you as ones that really seem to be getting in his way a lot? I'm just sort of fishing around here for the two, three, four yeah. lagging skills that made you say to yourself, oh, my God, that's him. That right. boy, is that him? He, um, you know, now that he's in school, the social aspect of things for him has become, you know, I I, I mean, I, I checked off just about every lagging skill for him. Yep. So, you know, a lot of the social things, now that he's in a school setting, have become, you know, the top of the list. Well, and, and entering school, of course, right. places uh, for kids who haven't, you know, been in school up until then, places yep. all kinds of demands on a kid for social skills, and in, in your son's case, yep. skills he hasn't got. Right, exactly. And that's going to set the stage for lots of stuff. As it relates to um, behaviors outside of well, it's hard to be outside of a of a social interaction because that's when most challenging behaviors occur. Right. But um, what other lagging skills jumped out at you besides the ones in the social domain? Um, I'm just trying to think. I wish I had my list in front of me. Um, let, let me ask a few just general questions. Okay. Uh, is he? Would you call him a very black and white, literal, concrete thinker who gets an idea in his head and it would take an earthquake to shake it loose? Yes, absolutely, 100%. That, got it. So that's that's lots of kids. Um, yeah. Notice, by the way, um, we can talk about your son without actually using any diagnoses. Right. Notice we haven't right. named any yet. Did yep. the, I'm curious, did the, did the neurological evaluation, it sounds like you had, did, was, did the neurologist feel that any diagnoses were applicable to your son? No, because she, um, at that time, said it, it was kind of based on you know, some of the difficulties he was having, you know, based on, you know, what we had learned about his, about sensory um, and was not ready to, did not feel an ADHD type of diagnosis with him at all right now. Okay. Um, is your son, um, is your, do you, do you ever feel like your son doesn't understand things that are being said to him in terms of verbal comprehension skills or do you ever feel like your son has difficulty putting his own thoughts into words outside the context of frustration? Yes. Mm-hmm. Got it. And 
is that something that people are on top of as it relates to what's getting in your son's way? I don't believe so. Okay. I don't believe so. So it is conceivable here that um, we there's more to learn about these specific skills that your son is lacking so that we are as well-informed as we could possibly be. And that could mean that you need testing. I'm not positive. It could mean that you need testing beyond the neurological testing that's been done already. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Uh, you'll find out. Uh, one more question. Yep. Uh, actually, two more. What kind of mood is your son in most of the time? Um, usually he was a very happy kid, but since he started school, this is one of the concerns that we went in and spoke to the school about. He's become a very unhappy and angry little boy. Got it. So clearly, and, and one more, is your son a very busy guy? Um, do people Non-stop. say that he's very active, very impulsive? Yes. Got it. So here's the interesting thing. Boy, we're we're hearing a lot of things that are making it very hard for your son to um, deal adaptively with the demands that are being placed upon him at school. Yes, yes? absolutely. Um, but now, so so that's good that we have those lenses on. Uh, challenging behavior occurs when the demands being placed upon a kid exceed the skills that he has to respond adaptively to them, and we now have a pretty well, not a not not a real clear sense, but for for what we can accomplish here, at least the sense that there's a variety of skills that your son is lacking mm-hmm. that are making him vulnerable to challenging behavior, not only at school but also at home and at carnivals and et cetera. Yes. 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 But now we got to get ourselves organized. And yes, we do have another caller. But caller, if you'll just be patient, we'll get to you soon. I promise. Um, now let's get organized because. We're probably not, although in the case of social skills, sometimes they do need to be taught directly. Mm-hmm. But in the case of a lot of the other skills, we identified those lagging skills mostly for the purpose of having the right lenses on. Yes. This kid is lacking crucial cognitive skills. But what we're often working on directly is the unsolved problems that are reliably and predictably precipitating challenging episodes. And I don't know if you're in the loop enough for what's going on at school right. to know what unsolved problems. Social social interactions is going to be too vague. Uh, it's good that, that gets us in the ballpark, but it doesn't exactly tell us where our seat is, if you know what I mean. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. Do we have a good sense about the unsolved problems at school, the specific conditions under which your son is becoming challenging at school, that the folks at school could be busy helping your son solve if collaborative problem solving was what they were doing. Right. Yeah, I I I to- I definitely think that that could be um like I said I'm in the classroom occasionally to help out so I see him um but at those times he, you know, seems to be moving and doing the things that he should be doing. Um but we've discussed in meetings you know, certain times of the day, certain situations where, you know, he may be by himself and have to think by himself, okay, do I, I need to go get my coat. Um, you know, everybody's up and moving around. I need to go to my cubby. I need to go to this. You know, those seems to be seem to be some of the situations when he has the most difficulty. And I'd, believe it or not, I'd want to encourage you all to be even more specific than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be hard to work on, and let me just, I'm not uh, 
being facetious here or giving you a hard time, of course. Yes. But times when he has to think on his own yep. would be way too vague for us to talk with him about. Right. Here's what the empathy would step would sound like. Once again, I'm not being facetious, just making right. a point. I've noticed, and your son's in kindergarten, so I, I think this is a low-odds, um, neutral observation. We've noticed that sometimes when you have to think on your own, that's hard for you. What's up? That's that's very likely to get an I don't know or a shrug of the shoulders from your son. I suspect Absolutely. not having met him. It's yep. just that it meets the that's too vague criteria. Yep. And it, when it's when the neutral observation is too vague, we often don't get any information out of the kid. So what I would encourage people to do is think about the very specific conditions under which he does have to think for himself or in which independence is required, and those are our unsolved problems. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense, and these are some of the things that I have brought up in the meetings, you know, trying to get, we, you know, I even have a journal trying to get even more specific, you know, for me to to have them even take a closer look, and, and I understand what you're saying, because this is what I've been saying all along, you know, when is this happening, you know, is he is he sitting there and somebody touches him, you know, is he sitting there and he's been sitting there for 15 minutes, and it's you know, too long, from, right. You know, those are the types of questions I've asked. Right. It's that level of precision that we really need to really know what unsolved problems to be working on. And I must say, it's not so easy to be the parent guiding the process. Let let there be no doubt. That's very hard. Very frustrating. Um, On the other hand, um, you um, are there in his classroom sometimes. Yes. Um, sounds like your relationship with the school is okay, and so maybe the stage is set for you to encourage people to get more specific about the who, what, where, and when of your son's unsolved problems at school. Mm-hmm. Of course, and I think it will be very hard to make progress with your son through Plan B. Mm-hmm. without getting really specific about those conditions. Now, having said that, um, there are some kids who are very active and very impulsive, and I haven't met your son, so by no means is this advice that I'm giving. I'm just speaking from experience here. There's some kids, and you'd have to decide how you felt about this as well, mm-hmm. who are very active and very impulsive, and sometimes medicine is a useful intervention for them. You may not even be thinking about that yet. You, you may be, and I've never met him, so by no means am I making a recommendation. Right. But I am saying sometimes th- there are some things that medicine actually does well, and some of the things I'm hearing about your son are some of the things medicine does well, especially the hyperactivity and poor impulse control. I'll also say this, there's some things I'm hearing about your son that medicine does not do well at all. Mm-hmm medicine tends not to be very effective for helping black and white thinkers be grayer. Medicine is not a very good way to teach a kid the language processing or communication skills that they're lacking. Medicine tends not to be a very good way to teach a kid the social skills that he's lacking. And so, although I will also say this, some kids, and I have no idea if your son is one of them, 
some kids, it's harder to work on those other things until the hyperactivity and poor impulse control is under control. Mm-hmm. One possible theory for why your son hasn't been so able to talk to you about these unsolved problems, and this is very common, um, is that when you're trying to do plan B with him over an unsolved problem, if the unsolved problem is too vague, and he's really not clear on what information is being asked for, number one, he may not be able to give us any information, but number two, he may experience that as being very frustrating and end the conversation right there. So, you know, sometimes we've got to get through why is this kid not participating in Plan B as well as we would like him to. And one possibility is the neutral observation that sets the stage for the conversation to take place in the first place in the empathy step, so vague that he wasn't even sure what we were asking. Another possibility, having never met your son, I have no idea if this might be the case. He's so active and has so much difficulty staying with the conversation that um, he's not able to stay there for the conversation for long enough to actually have it with you. A third possibility, uh, the language demands being placed upon him by Plan B are exceeding his capacity to participate in Plan B. Mm -hmm. So answer to what can you do to improve the likelihood of him having these discussions with you. You, It sounds like you've already done one of them. Mm -hmm. One is you want to be proactive about it. Right. But if you've been proactive about it and it still looks like this is going to be very hard for him, the next goal is to try to figure out why. Is it he's too busy to stand there and have the conversation with us? He's, he's just too scattered, too busy, too distractible. Possibly number two, we were too vague in our neutral observation for him to sink his teeth into it and actually give us the information we were looking for so that we would understand this better. Possibly number three, we're placing language demands on him in Plan B that are exceeding his capacity to participate. And there are others Given what you've told us already about your son, I would say that those are three leading candidates. Mm-hmm. How do you help the school? I think that it would be a good thing if you think the school would do it to bring that assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems into a school meeting. And I wouldn't surprise them. You might want to give them advanced copies of it yeah. and say, you know, I think that for us to get to the point where we can actually start working on some of these things with my son, I think we need to get, number one, make sure that we're all on the same page. That's lagging skills. Number two, I think we need to get much more specific about what unsolved problems are reliably and predictably precipitating his challenging episodes and with the greatest level of specificity possible so that now we're organized and now we can actually start to get some work done. Any of that help? Yes, very much, very much. And I'm going to leave the open invitation for you that I leave for everybody who calls in. Um, If any of that happens and you come across more information about your son that sheds light on any of the things that we've been talking about so far, Mm -hmm. of course you should always feel free to call back. Okay. Did did we answer at least some of the questions that you were hoping would get answered by calling in? Yes. What what have we left unanswered? Um, I I guess, you know, it's It'll probably be answered more if we can get to the bottom of, you know, why, like you said, be more specific. And I think that's kind of where I've been trying to get to with the school is to be more specific instead of, 
you know, a general overview that we continuously go over and over and over in, in every meeting that we have. Yes, and I, I see that in meetings, and not just in schools. I see that in meetings all the time, mm-hmm. is that we're only dealing with the surface unsolved problem. Right. And we aren't being specific enough to get ourselves organized and really be clear about what it is that we need to be working on. Right. Here's the only other thing I've, I heard, and then we're going to move on to the, the, the other caller yep. who's been very patient. Um, it does sound like um, Plan A is still part of the parenting repertoire for you and your husband. Mm-hmm. And so here's the only other thing I would say. Let's say, and I, I never actually heard about the specific sensory stimuli that tended to overload your son, but... Mm-hmm. One thing we could say for sure, my bet is that you will agree with this in a heartbeat. If you're taking your son to a carnival, which yeah. is about as much sensory overload as you can get, right? the stage is set if he truly does have sensory issues. And, of course, once again, no one thinks you're making it up. Right. Then being at the carnival places demands on your son that may exceed his capacity to respond adaptively. Right. And that, once again, this is me harping on the let's be as proactive as possible theme. In the same way that if we had a child who was wheelchair bound, there are places that if we were going to take our child who was wheelchair bound, we would be saying, this is going to be a tough place. There's no wheelchair ramps in this place. This is going to be a very hard place. Let's think about what we need to do to prepare for this in advance. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think of it as being any different. It's not necessarily the perfect analogy, but I don't think it's going to be any different when we're thinking about a kid who has lagging skills and is entering into environments that we know pretty clearly ahead of time are going to ask for those skills that the kid is lacking, Mm -hmm. thereby setting the stage for challenging behavior. Right. So um, another... I know I'm overloading you here a little bit. It's, okay. enough, it's enough just to think about the unsolved problems that you already know about and get specific enough about them. But the only other advice that I would have is um, it sounds like your son lit up the tree in the lagging skill section of the ALSAP. He's lacking a lot of skills. Right. Can we anticipate ahead of time the environments that in particular are going to be especially challenging for him and do proactive plan B before we get there based on what it is we think about being there that's going to be challenging for him. That's another whole thing that, truth is, I ought to devote an entire program to that. Right. I think I will. <laughs> um, but, you know, what, what, what this whole conversation says to us is, you know what, having a challenging kid, it's no piece of cake. Right. Right. On the other hand, we, we can make it not quite so bad if we're really specific about the unsolved problems that we want to work on, get some of them solved, mm-hmm. and do a really good job of anticipating under what conditions our child is likely to run into difficulty and see if we can deal with them ahead of time. Great. Please feel free to call in any time and give us an update on how your son is doing and how all of this is working out for you. Great, Doctor. Thank you so much. And thanks for calling in today. Well, we do have another caller. You know what that means? That means that we are not going to get to that classic AC combination I was talking about earlier in the program, and that's not something to feel bad about. I can assure you 
um, the calls are our first priority. Uh, but we have another caller, and this is from area code 970. You are now on the air. We don't have that much time left, but let's see if we can help you in the time that we do have left. Hi, Dr. Green. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you great. All right. Um, I actually have a comment and a question, but I think I'll leave the comment, and if, I don't, if we don't have time, I'll call in again or email it to you. Um, my question is about Plan B with a 13-year-old boy, and I actually wrote down our Plan B, um, and I can get to that. But just as a little bit of background, um, he's very bright, excellent verbal skills, lots of self-awareness. Um, right now he's homeschooled because of some medical issues. Um, school didn't work out. Um, and I've been using CPS and various forms of collaborative problems um, parenting since I was um, since he was five, and I read The Explosive Child and a bunch of other books. Um, so here's our issue: for a while, all of the more formal schoolwork has been in Plan C, um, while we've been working on some of these health issues. And you know, overall things are going really well. He's doing cool projects that have lots of learning. He's doing social activities, um, structured social activities. But we have an unsolved problem that I'm completely stuck with, and that is um, he has a very hard time. Now, this is the general problem. It's not how I stated it, but he has a very hard time doing any schoolwork that anyone else chooses, um, particularly if it feels hard, but even if it's something very simple. So even if it's like, hey, let me read to you out of this, out of this book that I chose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this dichotomy where he's able to focus on very elaborate um, books where he's trying to come up with tables that he's created to describe things and um, paper models of things in the book and coming up with a big elaborate plan. But when I, and he asked me for help with one this morning and I said, well, how about if we do like five minutes of math? Uh, no, forget it. Even, even me just bringing it up and um, was draining to him. Um, and so I started off trying to address the problem of, you know, I've noticed that um, anytime I want to do a little schoolwork, it's really hard for you, and that didn't go well. So I started, so I did a second one where I said, I've noticed that when I even bring up the idea of school, doing schoolwork, you get really upset and don't want to talk. Um, and I really didn't get a lot of information. So I can give you some of the details of that, but I thought maybe I'd let, give you a chance to chime in. Well, uh, I may need the details because um, let, let me make sure I understand. N- number one, you're homeschooling. Right. So academics are almost exclusively being done with you, with your son. Yes? You're his teacher? Um, you know, he's, he, he's, he's fairly advanced academically, so we haven't been – We've, we've been taking more of an unschooling approach where he's got go ahead sorry yeah he's he's kind of picking the activities um you know i've tried over the last year to try to incorporate some structured learning and it it seems to always set us back um you know, he once had a, a psychiatrist say, so let me get this straight. If your mom told you to play your Nintendo DS for an hour every day, that would be hard for you. And he said, yes, it would. Um, so the academics are coming through um, groups where, you know, he does writing for the next week because it's exciting and fun and, and they're doing these elaborate scenarios. Um, so 
I've been successful getting in a lot of academics in very creative ways. Um, and so right now the area I'm, I'm, just, I'm concerned about is math because he's probably fallen back to grade level. So he hasn't fallen behind, but he's always been very good at math. And now he has this idea in his head that it's too hard and he can't do it. And, you know, he's just not someone who does math. So I'm still a little confused. And as you can see, this is the, this is, if I'm not clear on the unsolved problem, then he's probably not either. Um, yeah. Uh, so my understanding of it at this moment is, because you lost me a little bit on the groups that he's in, is it that he's largely choosing his own academic activities and because he's bright and uh, um, energized to work on the things of his choosing, some things are getting done, but the things you're seeing that are not getting done are um, being neglected because he doesn't, he's not enthusiastic about working on things that um, you're putting into the mix? Yes. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. All right. So if your neutral observation was, I've noticed that um, you said something about schoolwork, that it, it, you're not doing schoolwork. When I bring up the idea of doing schoolwork, you get upset and you don't want to talk to me about it. And what did he say? See, I guess my impression is that he actually is doing some schoolwork and that the issue is not that he's not doing any schoolwork at all. It's that if you bring up schoolwork that you would like him to be doing, that's upsetting for him. If I'm, am I yeah, clear? Yeah, he, he knew what I meant. He did? Um, yes, he okay. definitely knew what I meant. He's, he's being new to the situation, I, I wasn't yeah. sure about that. So what, um, what did he say? Um, he was completely silent, and this was in the car, because when I had tried this discussion before, he clammed up and eventually just left the room. Um, so he was silent, and I said, I'm not trying to get you to do any schoolwork right now. I just would like to know what goes on for you when we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I tried about three different ways of saying this. Um, and so he changed the subject, which is what he tends to do when it gets this place, because it's clearly very uncomfortable for him to go here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he starts talking about one of the projects he's doing. I said, you know, I want to keep talking about this first. He says, well, I guess we'll just never talk about my project then, I said, if it requires this first. And I said, because he says, I'm not, I'm, because I'm never going to talk about this, so we'll just, I don't care. I don't need to talk about that. I said, I never said we wouldn't talk about your project. Um, I'm happy to talk about that, just not right this minute. And I said, why is it so hard to talk about schoolwork? And he said, well, it hurts. And I said, it hurts to talk about it? And he didn't answer. I said, tell me more about it hurting. Didn't answer. It hurts when you think about it? And he said sarcastically, no, it hurts when you talk about it. And then later he said, I just said it hurts to get you to stop talking about it. Um, And then a little bit later he said, you're just trying to get me to do schoolwork. We can either talk about it and I won't be able to do it, or we cannot talk about it and I won't be able to do it. So talking about it is pointless. And I said, well, I'm not trying to get you to do it. Right Right now my goal is just to understand why talking about it is so hard. And he said, you're just going to try to fix this, and you'll only get it a little bit fixed, and then you'll get me doing schoolwork, and it'll never get fixed. Nothing ever does. And he's referring to the medical and mood issues, which, you know, were improving but have been a struggle for a long time. He said, if you could fix it to the point where I was like, oh, let's do math. That would be fun. 
that would be good, but that's never going to happen. So here's and what I, said, I would say. Go ahead. Okay. Well, two, there's just two more lines, and then I stopped. Go ahead. We yeah. arrived. So I said, well, what if we got it to the point where we could do some fun schoolwork together, like me reading to you again from a science fiction book or something? He said, then it wouldn't be schoolwork. If it looks like schoolwork, my brain thinks it's like school used to be, and I can't do it. Now, and here's my main comment. He's talking. You're gathering information. Yeah, yeah. So and this, the only, I tried it again this morning and got nothing because we weren't stuck in a car. Well, and it, and it could be that timing is everything here. But yeah. I wouldn't, uh, and we do have to stop, unfortunately. There's only about 50 seconds okay. left in the program. And so what I would love is if you'd call back first thing next week at Tuesday okay. at, 7, at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Because I'll do that. this is a kid who is actually talking, yep. saying some very important things, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm having trouble characterizing your efforts to do Plan B with him as he won't talk. He, he's talking. And he's actually saying some things that it feels to me are very important. And so what I'd love is next week to try to guide you through what we could say next, because it's not that he's not talking. It's just Okay, do you want me to try again or just leave it? Let's, let's, let's wait till next week and see what happens. Okay. Sound good? Yeah, it's not like it's, I mean, we've been having this problem for six months, so it's not like it's, you know. It's not, right, you're not, there's not going to be a, a one-week cure. But here's what I would say. Right. Um, there's a variety of things that he's saying that I would want a lot more information about. Um, the medical thing, I'd love to know yeah. more about. The, yeah. if, if it's schoolwork, I'm not going to do it. I'd like uh, My brain won't do it. I'd like to hear more about that. The, Would you like me to email you details as well as calling in? Sure. I mean, however you want to do it. But I think that for the benefit of the people who are listening, this would be a great kid for us to follow up on. Um, I guess my main take-home message is he's talking. This is, not a, this is not a kid who's not talking. It does sound like timing is crucial because there are times when he just refuses to talk and times when he actually will talk. The things he's saying when he does talk are very important things that we're going to want yeah. more information about. And I have lots of previous conversations about his brain and how he perceives it and stuff that are that are fascinating. But that, that could it, be very we've just been stuff. we've been stuck here for so long. And we're going to try to get you unstuck. By the way, one of the other things he's saying is he's telling us about what he thinks is going to happen if we give if he gives you information if it does get talked about. Um, he's telling us here's what he thinks is going to happen. And what he thinks is going to happen if he should talk about this is not for him what he would consider to be a desirable outcome. So just in those last little 30 to 60 seconds of you telling us what was going on in Plan B with him, Mm -hmm. we're, we're hearing he's talking. There's a lot of things about talking that he's concerned about, but he is talking about them a little bit. He may need some reassurance that what he thinks is going to be the likely outcome of talking is not necessarily going to be the likely outcome of talking. Um, He's got a lot of reasons that he's not so sure talking is going to accomplish much. True. And he told us all of that just in the last 30 seconds to 60 seconds of what you described for us. So when you call in next week, um, let's follow up on that stuff. And what I want to do is just guide you a little bit further 
in terms of things that you can say to take it to the next level and how we can do this in a way. And one other, one other comment, and then the truth is we've already gone over the time limit for the show, but for the program, so we do need to end in a bit. But um, uh, it may be that there's something about the, the way we are trying to extract information from him, which is merely through the spoken word that is not ideal for him either. And so, okay. boy, you've got me percolating here, and you've got me really wondering. I wonder, number one, what would happen if we followed up on some of these things that he's definitely giving us some leads on. I wonder about timing and whether we need to um, make this as user-friendly as possible for him timing-wise. And I'm wondering if exchange of the spoken word is the ideal mechanism for helping him participate in Plan B. Words are certainly a lot of people's preference, but let there be no doubt, um, several thousand kids later and trying to help several thousand kids over the last many years do Plan B, um, sometimes we've got to get creative about how it is that we are hoping the kid will communicate with us so as to make this as user-friendly for the kid as possible. The good news, your son is giving us information. We yeah. just to get a little bit more than what we've got now. Well, and we've come a long way. It so. sounds like you have. All right. I, I put it on my calendar for next week, and I'll also send you some background information um, that you can use if you want, um, just so I don't have to ramble on. This is very exciting, and that rambling is permitted here. I ramble myself sometimes. <laughs> but um, I'm looking forward to getting the de- a few, some more details on this so we can help you do Plan B with your son and have it go even better than it might be going right now, despite all the progress that you all have made. Um, so I appreciate you calling in and look forward to hearing from you next week. And on that note, uh, having now gone way over our time, I'm going to call today's program to an end. And um, I look forward to having you all join me next week when we sink our teeth even further into helping people do Plan B well. Talk to you then.